this this all happened like mere days after talking to another mate of mine who's a dad that we didn't really have any poo stories. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you're lucky. It's the worst thing about being a parent is poo stories. I'm like, oh, fair enough. And then that happened in the space of like seven days. And I was like, oh, okay. I see how it works. Dads make plans by not having poo stories and God laughs, you know. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I am Zach Jackson, joined by Nathan Hennessy. Welcome back. James Wood. Howdy. And joining us again is the voice himself, Ash Whaling. There must be something wrong with this equation because I've been on two podcasts in the last like six weeks. Mm. Like usually it's years before I Look, yeah. appear again. We're always glad to have you here. There's always a seat on this uh, casting couch for you, my friend. So, oh, it's a bit sticky. <laughs> That's just the lime cordy, though. It is. It's no, I'm not going to say that. It's actually disgusting. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, how are we all? Kind of hot. Yeah, it's, yeah, a bit it's warm. Kind of like weirdly warm. Weirdly warm in many parts of Australia at the mo- at the moment, especially in mm. places that aren't known for being warm. Well, Adelaide's normally fucking hot. It's like Is dry it? hot. Is it? Isn't like oh sorry, not not uh, now, but like in summer, yeah. Oh yeah, our summers are pretty dry hot. You're you're yeah. right. Yeah, um, yeah. Sun has just been a real person today. It's not been mm. good. It's been a real person. Well, a little C word crept up there. I was like, it's way too oh, I felt it too. The hairs on the back of my neck stood yeah. up. I was ready for it. Oh, it's been a real see you next Tuesday. <laughs> uh, but Tazzy's uh, bringing the heat, Mr. Whaling. Mate, over the weekend, it got real warm. And I thought, yeah, that's just the weekend. But no, here we are on Tuesday. Still stinking hot. Had to turn the heat pumps off and uh, open the windows, which is just gross because, you know, then all the outside gets inside. When you say it's stinking hot, are we talking like low 20s? No, we're over 25 the last couple of days. Since Saturday, it's been like 26, 27. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. 26 is like a nice day, right? It is, but we've yeah. we got horrible sun down here. We've got like real, real vicious, feel yeah. yourself sizzling you're, you're, sun. Got Tad, real Tazzy, person sun down there. Yeah. Tassie's sun is, is a different beast. Yeah, there was a, a, a comedian that came down here the other day and just said, like, do you guys not get the memo of how the sun's supposed to work? Like, my phone <laughs> says it's 18 degrees, but I am burning to a crisp. Mm. What the F? It's the UV, isn't it? It's, it's vicious. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Just all the skin cancer getting itself nice and, you know, settled in. Yeah. Mm. Melanoma capital. And you don't get a tan down there. Yeah, the sun no. just ain't worth it in Tasmania. That's why we keep our milky complexion. <laughs> It's because we're staying out of the sun because it's going to kill us. Yeah. Well, is it actually the melanoma capital? Yeah. I remember when I was studying in um, in Europe, I was in like some kind of environmental sciences class and they, like without any association to myself, they were using Tasmania as a case study for melanoma and UV exposure. Um, mm. That it's one of the most UV exposed uh, locations on the planet. Yeah, right. And, and God, no one in Australia talks about it because 
I guess no it's a probably. taboo topic because it gets roped in with climate change and we don't dare talk about that down here. To be fair, nobody <laughs> talks about Tassie in general. But yet it's known on the world stage for the wrong reasons, mate. Is it though? Yeah, melanoma. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think most places go to their map that was printed in the UK or the US and there's no island underneath Australia. And they're like, oh, that's all right. The melanoma problem's fixing itself because it's not even there. <laughs> Tanzania, right? It's near the equator. What, what's actually happened is that the uh, <laughs> the hole in the ozone layer is just like a giant magnifying glass and it's been sizzled away like a cartoon character killing ants. Tessie's just gone. Very pale white ants. Mm. <laughs> well... Nathan, how are you? How's uh, how's Melbourne treating you? Melbourne has me sticky, and I'm not on Ash's couch, but um, I feel like I'm coming down with another sickness. You know, just two weeks off. Like we, we've done well, Zach, to avoid COVID thus far. You know, two mm. two years a bit deep, but um, my throat's my throat's tingling again. More than so. two years. You run yeah, out of services and doorknobs to lick. Well, there's to find a new it. Um, <laughs> there's a new wave, yeah. Well, that's that. I, I mean, I've read headlines. I won't speak to anything further than that. Yeah, I don't actually read the actual articles. I just read the headlines. So, mm. so he- headlines would suggest news. there's a third wave encroaching, but my doctors are telling me I'm catching everything else under the sun. COVID meant that apparently we're now more susceptible to, you know, your, all your common viruses and stuff like that. And I've just been overloading on them lately. So chest, lungs are down and now throat's Jesus. flared up. I'm ready for round three. I can, I just can't buy just can't buy a sickness. So. But, does Anna get sick? Not really. Sorry, does Anna? Nah. nah. She got sick uh, once for like 10 days or so. Yeah, a couple yep. of months ago, but but that's about it. Like in the last yeah, three years or so. Nothing. I get hay fever and that's pretty much it. Oh, hay fever is terrible though. No, hay fever should be classified as no own sickness. Breathing in everyone's fucking sneezes. I've got Licking all the hand-holding handles. Mate, you got to cash in those 420 hours of sick leave, mate, at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you need in. a doctor's certificate for them, you need to have something to show for it. Um, but, yeah, no. Fingers crossed, though, it's not uh, in the next couple of weeks because I'm heading up heading, heading up north to Cairns. So. Going to Cairns. Have I have I told you off this is – I don't know why we're even having this, this – this podcast is already – gone but uh so my brother <laughs> idiot um he went to sure a, a nice he's a good bloke but a bit of an idiot a big shout um, out to zach's brother he went to a like flight attendant a uh, flight attendant uh, like a travel agent sorry and was like oh yeah i'm looking at going away somewhere like like where do you reckon and she's like why don't you, why don't you go to Cairns?" and he's like why would i go to canberra and she's like, no, 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 no. Cairns. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought Cairns was Same question. For, I thought Cairns was short for Canberra. Um, I feel like I can come up with more reasons to go to Canberra than Cairns, but, but that um, may, yep. I love the idea that like people in Canberra think, oh, maybe if we shorten it to Cairns, people will come here by accident. But, yeah. Uh, then we'll have someone to go. talk to. I would, I, I would wonder if uh, the just the occasional international listener that, that would, by happenstance, come across this podcast Try to spell Cairns big, without everywhere. looking it up. Yeah, good luck with that. Because that, that's stuck me actually, for a long time. We're charting in Sweden, I can tell you that much. Or is it really? <laughs> One of them. One of them. <laughs> Sweden, uh, Switzerland, it's, you know, it, it starts with Swiss. Nah, it's, it's definitely on that uh, 
you know, that peninsula. You know what, yeah. Jürgen, if you're out there, we love you. Thank you for your patronage. Keep it up. Anyway, let's get stuck straight into the, let's go talk video games. Uh, who's been playing? Because we've got a fair bit, we've got a pretty chunky episode today because there's a lot to talk pretty about. Pretty goofy, isn't it? Anything very quickly that someone, that anybody's played that they want to discuss before I can we do get a real quick one. content. I Ash, can you do a, rapid, do a real one. quick one? I feel like you're real quick Real rapid. Are... Haven't been playing something, but for some reason got sucked into watching the Overwatch 2 International for some reason. Overwatch League was on. It was the, you know, proper finals. I just tripped over it one day. My phone said, hey, check this out. And I did. And before I knew it, six hours of my life was gone. I was like, what the hell? Why did I enjoy that so much? And uh, I remembered that I did technically have a team from 2018. I was like, hey, I like the orange guys. They're my team. And then they... Bomb, they completely bombed out in the first bracket, got through the entire second chance bracket, got into the grand final, and then beefed it like a real turd, like a real stinker. So it was an absolutely amazing journey, but I'll tell you what, it was definitely about the journey and not the destination, because the destination was loser town. So San Francisco shock, you left, you let, you let me down, but uh, it was alright, because I enjoyed watching you get to the point where you could completely stuff it up. Yeah, right. Hmm. Well, there you go. Very so different. I don't watch a lot of esports, but I got into that. I think it helped that just the, everybody who was like commentating and doing like the the comment bench, just I don't know if they were laced with something, but they were so into it. Even though like some games were complete stomps, they do like these analytical breakdowns. I'm like, that sounds interesting. Isn't I don't it, understand how. Wouldn't half it of be it. like their job? Just out of interest. <laughs> to be into it yeah <laughs> i know but like there's into it and then there's manufactured into it because like the games were stomps there was people getting completely frozen out and like how do you like how do you make spawn camping sound like a legitimate really good tactic like if you're watching american football and one of the teams is like an under eight team that's like getting crushed by like these 30 something year old men the size of semi trucks and you're like Oh man, the Oilers really destroyed the sixth grade elementary team there. Just a really bad defense from the elementary team. And you're like, hmm, was it though? <laughs> Most of them are dead. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. It well, was that's different. the main thing. That, that is the main hmm. thing, Ash. Anybody uh, got anything else they want to share very quickly before we go into the content? James? I have been replaying God of War 2018 oh, uh, after last, well, oh, whenever it was two weeks ago, his little conversation um not quite ready to sort of fully unpack that yet but um oh boy oh, oh boy oh boy <laughs> i think you mean oh boy well so, yeah apparently so <laughs> when you say oh boy are we to take that as in your thoughts have changed but not not in the way that adam would appreciate so yeah i wasn't privy to the previous conversation so what's the flashback what happened on the last episode of james said something i'm just like notably not a fan of god of war 2018 um and it, it puts me quite far outside he of the critical dads, consensus i do hates i fucking dads. hate dads hates um, dads and he hates sons i'm yeah, the only truly. dad on this podcast what are you doing to me come on now <laughs> um but uh no but before ragnarok came out i, I wanted to give myself a chance to like open-mindedly experience 2018 again you know it's been a few years since i did it so like hey let's let's see if i've i've improved or somewhat and um no nope nope i don't i'm not sure i'm gonna finish it before Ragnarok. <laughs> i think i might just watch a catch-up video and, and move on with my life so i could ask then why why are you so keen to play ragnarok 
Um, it's the the hot new thing, you know. Like I, I, I would like to be part of the conversation. If I have a bunch of peers that I respect telling me something's good, I would like to try to see if I think it's good. Um, like I, I, I don't mind sort of coming. Are you away the guy in the no, office but... that watches the TV show so you can talk about it at the water cooler, even though you're not into the TV a show? Little, you just wanna... I mean, in this particular <laughs> instance, yes. Um, but you know, it's also one of the few like major tentpole games we got this year. So I feel like I, I would like to have an opinion on it, so that that way when I you know, for the next five years, spend like that time being a pretentious dickhead, being like, actually, it wasn't very good. I at least can say I played it. So I don't like it. And yes, I did play it. Yes, I, I did finish it. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Nathan, you've been playing anything or just all, uh, all content that you can't talk about really? Hey. Yeah, pretty, pretty much that's the case. Uh, I mean, all I can really speak to is I. I dabbled in about maybe a generous half hour or so of Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer. Mm. It seems quite decent. I was really pleased with the map design. There's lots of, um, it's going to sound maybe a little bit silly, but, you know, I think something that's nice about good map design to Call of Duty is having the option to both do competent long distance uh, and, and like short distance skirmishing. So, you know, you might be able to set up with a sniper rifle and, and be able to take out cross sections of players moving through an area whilst also being able to camp down uh, in buildings with close range weaponry. And I just think it strikes a really nice balance between being able to juggle those different sets, whereas 2019's Modern Warfare just had a lot of wide open spaces but were dominated by snipers. Um, so, you know, within my 30 minutes of playing, it's left a good impression. I came in sceptical. I'll, I'll be glad to play more when my... Uh, when things open up for me content-wise. Solid question really for you, to... Nathan. Oh. Is it true that in the game, when you kill somebody, their mic opens up so you can hear what they're saying? I wouldn't be able to tell you because... Uh, you, you haven't played you, enough? You didn't die. Well, no, here's the thing. See, immediately, this is something that strikes me no, every single... Every kills. Every mm. year with Call of Duty on PlayStation 5, so, the moment you load into your first match, because the PlayStation 5 has that microphone built into the controller everyone's oh. fucking hot mic and so the first thing you do every year and i always forget to do it but i'm reminded instantly as i go into the options and i turn all voice comms off because it's too much of a pain in the ass navigating the interface to switch off the people hot micing so it's better to just play with no voice comms at all blanket yep no that's fair i just read somewhere that apparently the big thing in modern warfare 2 is that when someone dies their mic opens up to everyone around them so you you sort of get their death scream as it was and just some that of the is, stuff that's being shared is pretty funny. That is a deranged social experiment. I love it. Like, <laughs> unequivocally think that is the coolest thing in the world, but I, um, yeah. no. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be masses amount. Like, all I've seen is, like, a quick montage and mostly it's people with just, like, the sound of surprise. Like, I thought it was just going to be, like, unabashed, like, horrible abuse. But, like, mm. there's people who's like, oh, he was behind me. So like, just a bunch of sad, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're hearing the opponent mic, I take it, but then you got to try and distinguish that from all your teammates' hot mic. And the way it was tricky. described is that you hear your victims getting dragged to hell. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Hmm. All right, I think yes. uh, I think KB's oh, KB Case is going to do some um, some impressions on the multiplayer. So maybe we'll ask him to investigate. Further. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's get in straight into the content. There's lots to talk about. Um, 
sorry, the, the document has kind of gone a bit wild and it's confused me. Uh, all right, so... Fuck, right, that is confusing. Nathan, actually, no, very, very quickly, uh, Pixel 7 phone review is up. Uh, you can go read it if you're interested in in uh, reading my thoughts, but long story short, uh, after using it for a couple of weeks as a smartphone, pretty good, pretty decent. Uh, probably not the best phone that I've ever used, but it was it was solid enough. Uh, battery life is still pretty bad though. That uh, I think is just how it is. I thought maybe I had a faulty phone, but reading a lot of stuff and it just seems that it's just got a bit of a shit battery inside it. But as as I write in um, in the review, I think most people who use their phone enough during the day where it does drain a lot, I think you're going to be pretty close to a charger. So it's not going to be like a sort of a, a big deal a lot of the time. Uh, and the camera quality is either exceptional, um, and I'll show the guys here before we started recording uh, some shots that I took for the review. And yeah, you can see that some of the ones that are up close look really good and they're highly detailed and uh, where you actually use the, excuse me, the um, AI processing online like the Zoom, they look terrible in some cases. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised because a lot of people, a lot of things I'm reading, they're like the camera is just like they, they're praising it a lot. I'm just like, what was I doing wrong? Am I not a photographer or what's going on? Like, I'm just taking pictures of I just birds, hate magpies. Know. I know. You take photos of magpies, they take photos of stuff that's just not important. I take also take pictures of bowls of shit. So, um, <laughs> 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 you know, um, uh, but seriously, do do get on the uh, the lime and the chalk mint ice magic. It's a, it's a good combo. Uh, yeah, so you, you can read the Google Pixel Seven review there. Uh, I went to Sydney and played a bunch of games at the Play On uh, Showcase last week. <sighs> There's a bit to talk about, but I'll try and wrap it up pretty quickly because I know that I can waffle. Um, biggest game I played was Dead Island 2. Uh, demo was about 20 minutes long. This, uh, I think Nathan knowing that you quite like Dying Light then didn't, I think you'll really like this. Uh, I did I think, like the first, like the old uh, Dead Island games. I think you'll, yeah, I think you'll really, really like this. This game looks beautiful too. So it's set, um, yeah, there's like a zombie or, you know, a virus outbreak. It's in, in LA, isn't it? It's like Hollywood. It, well, sorry, Hell A, as they Hell call a. it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so there's there's like a zombie outbreak and you play one of four or five or six, I can't remember, characters and uh, you're, you're actually infected but you're fighting off the virus. Um, and yeah, but basically you just got to survive. Uh, the demo that I played is sort of, I think, like midway through the game or like a, th a third through the game and you have to go acquire this laptop which is within like an amusement park uh, and yeah, like... The first thing I noticed is like you used well the demo started on the Santa Monica beach or the pier beach. And it looks this game looks phenomenal. I mean it was running on some pretty pretty ripped uh, hardware, um, but yeah this game looks fantastic. And yeah you got like a bunch of tools like the game start. I mean the demo started you off with a bunch of weapons. So you had like a, like an axe and um, 
had like a electrocution through it or something like that. I can't remember exactly what had what, but there was a there, there was an axe, there was a sword, there was a uh, like an assault rifle, there was a pistol. There was like some other like baseball bat pole kind of thing, like something had fire like inside it. So yeah, there was there was tons of shit to like play with, and you know killing uh, the zombies and whatnot. Much like in Dying Light, uh, it's very visceral and, and, and very it's just fun. Uh, you know, very it's very addictive to just go up and beat the shit out of everybody and anything that you can kind of see. The one thing I did find here different to Dying Light is that Dying Light you can I think you can easily deal with a horde or like a like a mob. This game is harder. I think this game is quite hard for all this from what I played. Uh, there's also some pretty big dudes that come that come out. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the demo was twenty was twenty minutes long. You go through this arcade, which is very cool, and there's much like in um, Homefront: The Revolution. There's like you know there was like a time splitters because uh, this is actually made by the, the devs that did Homefront: The Revolution. So there's actually a bunch of arcades in this arcade machine uh, in this arcade machines in this arcade uh, that are like Homefront: The Revolution arcades. And then there's like Metro Exodus arcade. So there's so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and then I basically went and did the old go find the fuse or turn the power on or whatever it was. Then this like crazy zombie thing came at me and fucked me up and I died because it actually was like chaining elect- electricity to all these different zombies and I kind of just, you know, went went to gung-ho and, yeah, got, got fried. Uh, and then second time past that part, then you go to this, fer- this Ferris wheel where, you, where you've got to basically uh, – Turn the I think you got to turn the power onto the first wall or something like that and yeah this fucking huge unit comes at you and I got fucked up again so I've already died twice in this in this um, preview and the, uh, the the PR folk are like uh, about ninety five percent percent of people don't actually finish the demo so the end of the demo is you fight this <laughs> clown boss right. And I knew in my head, I was like, I bet you fucking KV finished it, the dog rat. Anyway, so <laughs> I messaged him like after and I was like, I bet you one of those pricks that finished that demo. He goes, oh, what, you didn't? Oh, you fucking <laughs> bastard. Anyway, um, <laughs> finally in like, so I'd probably been playing for about 16, 17 minutes and I realized I had five med kits. I just hadn't figured out how to actually use them. Oh, snap. So, um and then I kind of got the tap on the shoulder and was like, all right, time's up and stuff. But quite, quite, quite enjoyed what I played. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think in co-op, it'll be heaps and heaps of fun. This is like Dying Light 2. Um, I quite enjoyed playing by myself. Uh, like, like I thought it was actually fine. I feel like Dead Island is going to, or Dead Island 2, sorry, is going to be a lot more, a lot, it'll play a lot more into that co-op side of things. The original uh, Dead Island was co-op, wasn't it? Yeah, it was exactly, heavily yeah. heavily emphasised yeah. the co-op. It came out around Borderlands, so it was really jumping on that bandwagon. Yep. And it, it wasn't a very solo-friendly experience. So how many people are supposed to get into something like Dead Island 2? Is it four? That seems to be I the magic four. number most pretty, of the time. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. four. I'm pretty sure it's four. Or is it three? It's either three or four. I can't recall. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, quite cool. Uh, another thing that I played, Ash, I played, went and played it for you, was Gungrave Gore. Did it for me. Even took his shirt off and just pressed it against his chest when he got there. He was very awkward, but I asked him to do that, so you know. He did. He did. Um, and they actually had developers from Iggy Mob, who is the team that's developing 
uh, Gungrave Gore there. We will have an interview go up. That was quite um, actually very good. Uh, it was all translated, but um, yeah, it this sounded like they were quite into the questions, though, wasn't it? They did. They mate, they frothed you. They were. <laughs> they uh, gave you some very good feedback. Uh, they were very impressed with your your questions. But uh, yeah, this this is a game that was announced at the Prime Matter showcase like last year or something like that. Mm. And when I was watching, it, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, never heard of it before. Didn't even realize it was like an old franchise until I think Ash might have said something. And then, then yeah. like, and even going into it, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, like what to expect. I've only seen that crazy trailer. Um, but playing it, it is it is very much like uh, Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. Not that I've played Bayonetta, but I have seen uh, a, you know bits and pieces of of that game. But there's definitely a heavy Devil May Cry uh, flavor to this game. And we actually talked, I think, I don't know if it, if it was in the recording or not, Ash, but we talked a bit about that, about which game came first. Was it was it Gungrave or was it Devil May Cry? You did. I was I was transcribing your interview today and you, yeah. when you said you, you just finished your questions and then you said, so it, it feels a lot like Devil May Cry. What came first, this or Devil May Cry? And then there was a lot of sort of discussion, clearly in yeah, Korean, and then somebody in English said, oh, we, uh, I could probably look it up, just not right now. And it's like, it's not yeah. definitive, is it? Well, no, I still haven't looked. But uh, no, this game is old school fun. Like if you like those old school action games from the PS2, maybe early PS3, uh, or if you're a massive Gungrave fan like like Ash, you're going to like this. This is just bombastic. It's crazy. It's absurd. This guy like carries around a fucking coffin that he whacks and kills people with and then shoots rockets <laughs> out of it. And I think it's also a chainsaw, like, and it's a flamethrower. <laughs> you're right. Like, this 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 guy is a mad like I'm telling you he is absolutely fucking wild, um, and it's fun like it's just it's just like I don't think it's it's a game that doesn't take itself too seriously, um, yeah it's just all about having fun and it feels very much like uh, like a bit of like a, of a power fantasy like this this guy I don't even know what, like what the context of the story is, um, they. Do you know, like, so what is it? He's, he's undead. I can, I can give you the really quick rundown. Yeah, really quick rundown is... 20 seconds. Yeah, really quick. Assassin dude called Brandon Heat worked for a big company and then, like, his mate, who was also an assassin, decided he wanted to overthrow the company. He wanted Brandon to help him. He didn't. He killed Brandon. A doctor who worked for the company decided to bring Brandon back to life through a necro necrolizing procedure, turning him into a dead man. He lost his memories and became... The assassin gunman back uh, from return from the grave or back from the grave, but people just call him Grave. Well, so you, you play as Grave, and yeah, because he's not using his coffin, he turned it into a rocket launcher. I mean, that's that makes sense, isn't it? Like, um, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have to carry it, but where's he going to keep his rocket launcher? That's it. Uh, so yeah, fun game. Uh, if you like, yeah, if you like those kind of old school action games, uh, yeah, you'll uh, probably get get a tickle. Out of this, don't think it's going to have mass appeal personally, um, and it's very, very odd. Not odd. Odd's not the right word. It's a. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a word, um, and but this and Evil West both launch on November twenty two, and they're both going for that old school action kind of appeal. So uh, odd that odd. Whatever the word is, the word that I'm thinking of that they would launch if, together. If I had a dollar for every crazy crazy shooting game about like that stars undead things, I'd have like $2, which isn't a lot, but it's strange that it happened twice in the same month, you know? Mm. 
Um, yeah, so there, there, there's a preview up on the website. Uh, interview will be up hopefully by the time this, this party goes live. All right, so that's they're probably the two big things that I played. Oh, no, and sorry, chatting with the devs. They're super cool. Um, the One of the biggest takeaways is that... So I, was, I think I kind of alluded to... No, sorry, one of the questions was that um, what's like the inspiration or the main influence of this game? <laughs> and um, the answer I got was... Not um, not what I expected, but uh, Christian Bale, or more to the point, <laughs> the Equilibrium. It's funny because it's so true. Um, Your exact like, question was like, "What modern influences have been placed on developing the new game?" They're like, "Oh, no games, but the movie Equilibrium." Yeah, <laughs> really? such a niche pick, isn't it? <laughs> and then um, I asked if they, you know, ever had the chance to make a, a Gungrave film, would they get Christian Bale on board? I said they couldn't afford him, so. <laughs> Uh, all right. Other two things. Yeah, two things I can. I'll probably talk about scars above, uh, which is that it's like a double A returnal. If you wanted, to, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. Um, not doesn't have the roguelike uh, game loop. Uh, sorry, gameplay loop. I don't, I don't think, but yeah, seems seems pretty cool. Definitely, has got that um, that, that sort of double A feel. But you know, but if you if you dig um, return also Adam will this will probably be up his alley quite uh, I would have thought. But yes, yeah, seems seems pretty cool. You basically wake up on this island. I oh, sorry, it's on this like planet. Um, uh, you're part of a team or something. I don't know I didn't really get a lot of story beats out of it. But um, yeah, you you find weapons. You start shooting and you um, make discoveries. What do you do when of, you like, find weapons? You yeah you make uh, you. Every time you see like a new enemy, you know, you discover this new species or whatever it is. Um, Excuse me. Sorry. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. so, so sorry. That, that you can just me. say this isn't interesting. <laughs> um, I'll move on. So that was Scars about. No. no. Uh, does anyone it have does any questions? Look- shameless yeah. uh like shamelessly like a returnal yeah game. female protagonist um, kate is her name you know yeah classic. yeah uh solid name <laughs> yeah. telling me that you went to this event that clearly had garfield lasagna party there and you didn't play it no but what i did play i'm glad you asked um was aew wrestling well not AEW, but oh okay the, the, yeah, the wrestling game so Fuck, I am shit at video games. I've just, you know, I am bad, man. Like, I played three games, so there were six characters. Uh, don't ask me who because I don't remember, but there was Adam Cole. Is that, is that a character? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, CM Punk, I think, was in yep. there. I think, yeah, I think, uh-huh. that, I think yep. that was him. Yep. Uh, the Big Show or Paul White, right? Paul White, White yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Two females who I don't remember their names, sorry, and then another guy who I also don't remember the name. Anyway, I played three games. I thought I'll, I'll get a look at all three characters, lost all three games, didn't even get to execute a finisher, got fucking absolutely destroyed by the AI. Um, three, two, one. And every fucking time. So every time that you're, that you're about to get pinned, right, William Regal pops up and he goes, look, it's it's uh, you're still a chance. You know, you just, just got to mash the buttons. And every time I absolutely smash those, the shit out of those buttons, but still... So we got pinned. Anyway, um, <laughs> but if you liked the old old school Smackdowns and uh, those games, because this is done mm-hmm. by Ukes or Jukes, have you? It's done it? by Ukes, yeah. Ukes, yeah. 
uh, who developed most of those games. Yeah, they made basically like every notable wrestling game mm. until they didn't. Yeah. Uh, this is for WWE. Yeah. And I did play a lot of those games on the PS2. Smackdown vs. Raw, baby. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Uh, and they were a lot of fun. And this, this, this does feel a lot like that. So I think if you're a big wrestling fan, um, this will be something that you'll enjoy. That is, I played Goat Simulator. Reviews come out soon. So I mean, I only fucked around with it for five minutes and played a little bit of System Shock. How was System Shock? Ooh. Did it shock your system? Kind of wasn't really vibing it to like, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. It was okay. It was. It's. It seemed fine. Um. But yeah, it didn't um, didn't blow me away. It looks. It, lo- it looks very cool. Like it's got like a. I don't know how to like it's got like that old school pixely look, but it's high res if that makes sense like like a high res sort of pixel art not pixel art something like that, but you know like that sort of look that it has like that old school look um but i think i think fans of like like that game will play i, I, I don't think it's the kind of game that you know after sort of doing the rounds between half a dozen different games i was kind of just i was kind of fried at that point but um yeah yeah i've been a bit curious about this one because i think if I'm correct, Night Dive Studios are actually mm. doing it, which correct. had me a little bit nervous. It is Night Dive Studios. Yeah, it had is, me yeah. a little bit nervous because they've only, up until this point, they've exclusively just done um, like sort of high, like up ports of like 90s boomer shooters and shit like that. And look, I know you, you've definitely played some, Ash. Um, I've played some. And uh, past the... Nost- if you don't have the nostalgia factor, I've found their ports a bit lacking in the mm. love factor. So now actually having to go out and does you know effectively remake this game from the ground up had me a little bit nervous. And I think Night Dive did. Like uh, they did Power Slave, didn't they? Which I, I, I read. They but. did. They do pretty much all of those '90s reloved games, and that yeah, because <laughs> they reloved, pre reloved. Because because they've got an engine that they use for all that, and it works. But as I say, if you don't have the nostalgia factor, there's not much. Like they're still pretty aged, pretty dated games. They don't give I much would mechanical love. Say that is here as well. Yeah, so it's going like, to be. I didn't. Like, I don't really have like a lot of love for that series. Like I think like I've played a little bit of the first one years and years and years ago, but yeah, played a bit um, of the second one. Yeah. Uh, just speaking of boomer shooters, I just want to get a show of hands. Who's played or who remembers Redneck Rampage? No, oh, nice, nice. Come on, mate. Come on, James. <laughs> yeah, I'm so just disappointing you left and right tonight. <laughs> you are. Well, just. No. Um, I think that's all I played. I think that's, yeah, uh, that's they're, they're the four main ones I spent most time with. Um, played a little bit of SpongeBob. That, that was all right. That's, uh, that's about it. All right, let's move on to Nathan. Do you want to talk about uh, the game you reviewed? Yeah, look, I'll keep this one pretty brief because this review is now a little bit dated. Uh, so this is The Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero. This is up until recently, probably my most anticipated uh, game of the year. And just for context, uh, this this game is kind of 
the existing middle entry in the Legend of Heroes Trails saga. Now, the Legend of Heroes is kind of a ubiquitous B series of JRPGs. It's been around since, I think, the early 90s. They only got localized with their sub-series called Trails. Uh, Trails in the Sky, which was a PSP series of three games which came out in the late 2000s. And just immediately following on from the third Trails in the Sky game, they began their second arc in that saga. We're talking sub-series within sub-series now. So Trails from Zero is a duology. Uh, it came out in 2011. Again, it is also a PSP game. And this has come out. We've played this on the Nintendo Switch. It's also come out on PS4 and PC. So this very much plays... So anyone that has played the Trails in the Sky series will know what to expect here. And what to expect is uh, a very character-focused narrative about a group of usually four protagonists with maybe a couple of tagalongs uh, who set forth on some kind of, usually some kind of socio-political adventure. In this case, we play a group of four cops, interestingly enough, in the city of Crossbell. The entire game takes place in this city and it's immediately orbiting uh, little towns. So there's no grand adventure like you would get in Final Fantasy. There's no grand destination, but rather there's a loop here where these cops for almost, for, for at least the first 20 hours of the game, almost exclusively just take requests from civilians to do shit kicker jobs, you know, get my cat out of a tree or, um, you know, so someone has been attacked by a stray dog and we're not quite sure where the dog is can we put it down like it they're, they're kind of very low stakes tasks with just the seed of something greater in them and as you're playing this game and doing these shit kicker tasks uh, you're constantly reminded that these are shit kicker tasks because the police in this game are reviled they're redundant because in this world uh, most public services are handled by for-profit mercenary groups, leaving police corps to be kind of maligned and, and sidelined. So it, it's a 40-hour game. The first 20 hours of that game is going to be you and your group of ragtag misfits uh, because only your main protagonist here, Lloyd Bannings, is a detective graduate joining the police force He's relegated to the special support section. It's a new section designed to breathe life back into the police force and get them some favour because they've fallen out of it. He's uh, tagged along by three misfits that have no relation to the police force, but they've still got some utility because they might have been trained in various areas of combat and service. Uh, in the latter 20 hours of the game, uh, some kind of mafia underground subplot begins to emerge involving politics and machinations of the city in its underbelly and how that might have greater impact on the world at large which ties into the other sub-series in that Legend of Heroes Trails saga. Uh, so that's the story. Just briefly, the gameplay is going to be it effectively functions as a turn-based JRPG, standard fare, where uh, characters take it in turns and uh, you, you're able to see when enemies' turns are coming up so you can anticipate that. Enemies have weaknesses, you cast spells to exploit them and get some super moves. It's all very standard fare. Um, 
there's a fair bit of backtracking involved as you move to these orbiting towns and back. Uh, but unlike the previous Trails in the Sky games, there is some fast travel there to aid it. Uh, this is a dated game. I mean, it came out in 2011. This is the first it's been localized, so it doesn't look magnificent. It's got some charm to it, some old school charm, as much as those uh, PSP JRPGs had. So it's it's very, you know, sprite based with the edges trimmed off because they've got a kind of anti-alias look. Uh, the, the big draw here is the character narrative. The world is quite dense with its lore and machinations, so it will all be told to you through the dialogue exchanges between your ensemble of characters, which I loved, because there's nothing worse in a dense JRPG world than being, give, than, than being given um, reams and reams of unspecified or uncontextualized text from a disembodied narrator. But rather here, we've just got kind of four simple characters trying to tease their way out in the world and you're along for the ride with as much information as them. So it's very, it, it reads and flows like a good book. Uh, so that's probably all I can really say on it because it, it is kind of a no frills JRPG experience. But in saying that, its fundamentals are absolutely solid. It is an engrossing translation. They've done really good on the writing. And my favorite part about the writing is every there's a series mainstay where every time you interact with a treasure chest, uh, the treasure chest will talk to you. Every treasure chest in the game has something to say. And uh, they're usually variations of puns and things like that. So I think I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but in the review that I've published, I've got one here where a chest says to my party, uh, Annie's not okay. She wants you to arrest the smooth criminal. Which, of course, I chortled at the time because it's a Michael Jackson reference. Ha, ha, ha. So there's dozens of these throughout the game. It's It's got great whimsy. The writing is the best part here. I can tell uh, how much you love it from the very dry ha, ha, ha and then moving <laughs> on. I've laughed and I've laughed. So this time it, it has uh, its depreciated value. So it's old school JRPG um, tedium and charm with a very low-stakes plot that's going to feed into its sequel that is getting localised in March of, of next year. That's Trails to Azul. So I'll give that an 8. Uh, very solid. If if um, it's, it's not going to break any mould, but all its fundamentals are good, it's a tiny bit dated, but for those fans of the, of the series, they'll be more than happy. Anyone else that doesn't like JRPGs will find nothing here. Nice. Happy to. Cool. cool. You can check out the website. Uh, you check out the review on the website now. Uh, speak. Uh, also, you've got something also you, you want to quickly talk to us about for a couple Indeed of minutes. Indeed I do. Yes. So, uh, Zach, yep, we've got here the Arctis, or sorry, the Steel Series Arctis Nova 3. Now, there's, there's obviously been quite a bit of buzz around the traps here with the uh, Arctis range, the Arctis Nova range, to be precise, because I assume that a uh, fair few of us well-played folks have graduated or at least had some use of the SteelSeries Arctis range. Uh, myself, I, I used to use an Arctis 7 for the longest time. Loved it. Zach, I think you, you've been an Arctis user at one point, haven't you, before okay. the Nova Pro? Yeah, I had the 7X, I think. Ooh, yeah, there's a couple yeah. of variations on the 7. Uh, Which KS has now gotten. He he loves it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ash, Ash James, have, you, have you, either of you folks used the... No? Can't no. say I have. Nope, so, I'm not so just... Not that kind of guy. So this was... Uh, not that kind of <laughs> so, so the Arctis was a kind of a... I guess it was a, a really quite a flagship uh, headset. It, it felt good. It was a... 
I guess it was a kind of a bit pricey. I think they were going between three, four hundred bucks at one point. But you know, it was a wireless headset. Sounded good. Sounded good. Had good charge. Comfortable on the head with a very generous velcroed uh, ski band. It just all around, it ticked all the boxes without being especially like it didn't really have any gimmicks. It was just a very decent product for the price. So now we've got the new, the successor to that. And uh, what we've gone hands-on with is the Arctis 3. Now, at the moment, you can get the Arctis 1, the Arctis 3, the Arctis, sorry, the Nova 1, 2, 3, and Pro. We've obviously got a review for the Pro on the site, courtesy of Zach. With the 1, 3, and 7, it's important to note that these all have the same audio drivers. They all have the same chassis i use the word chassis quite a bit i'm referring to basically you know the headset frame itself um but just to note uh there's a bit of a price difference here so the arctis one is a wired headset again as i said it's using the same drivers etc as the other two it's about 140 bucks retail the arctis nova 3 which is what i've reviewed goes for about 200 and the Arctis Nova 7 goes for 400. Now the 7's a wireless headset, so you pay a premium for that. The only difference between the one and the three, it's $60 difference, and the three has some RGB lightings on the cups. Just a very thin strip of RGB <laughs> lighting. That's the only difference that it's bringing to the table. Oh, nice. Now, for, for the price, I mean, I think, if, considering you're getting the same quality of headset as the Arctis One, I think the Arctis One is Nova One is a compelling headset for about one hundred and thirty dollars. But here, at two hundred dollars, I've got some issues. So, right, so the best thing I can say off the bat is the sound is what you would expect from Steel Series. Uh, it boasts uh, three hundred and sixty degree spatial audio. I kind of call that a bit of marketing fluff because it sounds as good as the audio did on the original Arctis series. There's no issues with the audio quality; it all holds up quite well. It is a wired headset, of course. Uh, there are a couple of wiring configurations that you can use. So you can use a USB-C to USB-C or USB standard connection. So that's good. Uh, that means it's obviously going to be compatible with your computer, whether it's a standard USB port or that new USB-C standard that we're now seeing. There's also the 3.5 mil port. Now, why that's important is the RGB lighting setup is only going to work if you're using the USB connection. Now, that's going to mean that you're going to get RGB. You're, you're going to happily use RGB, oh, sorry, USB while you're by your computer. But when you're in your living room, it's less appealing these days to run USB cords along your living room. Uh, with the new with the new gen consoles, it's very attractive to use a 3.5 mil. Just plug it straight into your controller. Now, the issue with that is you can't, then use the RGB lighting when you're playing in your living room. You're only really going to get the RGB lighting by your computer. So unless you're willing to plug, run a long cable from your couch to your console, you're not going to get that RGB lighting. But can you and see RGB... while you're playing? No, you can't see it while you're playing. Thank you, Zach. It's important <laughs> to note that as well. So this is something <laughs> of a, I guess it's a, it's, so it's white. is it a gimmick? It's yeah, well, I mean, it comes down to the to the consumer, doesn't it? If you want RGB no. everything, if that's... Yeah, look, I'm in the same boat as you, Zach. I couldn't justify it because 
I can promise you never once have I seen the lighting in action unless I've taken the headset off and admired it from afar, meaning that I don't get the benefit of the audio yeah. just to look at the flashing lights. you got to mount like a little mirror on your controller so you can see yourself while you're playing. Oh, look, that, isn't that what everyone else does? Yeah, look, I haven't gotten around to that yet. I haven't made that upgrade or investment. So, look, I was a little <laughs> bit bummed because we can use the SteelSeries Sonar Audio Suite to adjust the RGB lighting. We've got three different profiles to use. There is a there's a sort of pulsing profile where it kind of slowly glows. You can adjust the speed. There's a breathing style where it kind of again glows and you know glows in and out. You can adjust the speed. There's not a whole lot of difference. There's also a profile that lets you individually colorize the two cups. And that's kind of novel, you know, there's obviously you get an RGB picker to choose a color per uh, cup, but again, you're not seeing any of this. So there's only those three profiles to choose from. The Sona Audio Suite doesn't really have me convinced either. It's kind of just a glorified equalizer, you know, and it only supports like 40 games, none of which I was ac actively playing. They, they seem to mostly be multiplayer titles, or, or at least now I will state this is using different audio drivers to the Nova Pro, mm. which is what you used, and you used that with the Sona suite. I think there might be more of a match made in heaven, perhaps, but it just struck me when I was using it on the PC here, it just seemed to, all I could tell it was doing was just adjusting the equalizer. Like, I, I didn't make enough of a difference to me. It wasn't increasing my experience to any noticeable degree. It might have just been... Uh, more pronouncing some low frequencies, some bass, some footsteps perhaps, but nothing that would make me go and load the software again. I actually found the software quite frustrating to use because it would mess with other audio drivers. So oh. I actually didn't, like if you were to plug in another headset, Sona goes, oh, that's another headset um, that's not still series, but we'll try and make our software compatible with it anyway, even though it's not technically compatible. And you'll just have issues where you've got to restart your computer to refresh your drivers because your audio will just cut out. So it's, there is issues here and it looks like Sona's not being supported very well. Like I didn't, I've been using this headset for a bit over a month. I haven't really seen, I've seen like one update come in and now the updates I've seen over the past six months of change logs or whatever seem to suggest that they're adding new games to the Sona suite. So could be a little bit of a gimmick. Um, the only the, I'll just quickly jump in, but the only issue I'm please. having with with Sonar is that I fucking cannot figure out a way to make my desktop speakers my default audio. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, my default audio at literally every single time. Man, I had just, the same issue. Just defaults to fucking Sonar, and I'm like, mate, yeah. I'm like, yep. the prick's not even plugged in, mate. Correct. Like, I love how. Everyone has an issue like this with these kinds of softwares because I get the same thing with Logitech G Hub as well. Uh huh. Yeah. I any kind of proprietary, like brand driven helper tool is just like, oh, we're going to try and help. And then they're going to do something that drives you mad. That having your, having your speakers not default is so infuriating. Yes. yes. And I've set it to default in Windows settings. It's set to default, but it's still. Sonar just is like, yeah, but nah. Sonar says I had no. the same issue. Zach, I did have the same issue. And then what would happen is I would go and uh, make Sonar, like I would turn Sonar off, like I would exit the program because what Sonar will do, Sonar will default as the system sound output, not even the headset, Sonar. <laughs> uh, so you'd deactivate Sonar and then Windows Cheeky. would get really confused and not pick up any other audio. Now, I'm, I, I'm an XIT professional, so I know my way around this stuff. 
And the best solution I had was just to restart the bloody computer after that point. So not not a great showing. Look, I've just, I've kind of ragged on it. Look, the fundamentals are fine, but there's a couple of other things I just quickly want to mention, particularly about the chassis. So it's not a comfortable headset to use for any period of time. Uh, looking at you gentlemen here on the podcast, I can tell you now that ear cup size is at least a third smaller than what you guys are currently using. They're small circular ear, ear cups. And Ooh. no word of a lie, just have a quick look at my ears. These little flesh flaps, pretty uh, yeah. pretty ordinary sized, I would assume. You know, I don't have Got. any huge earlobes or nothing, do I? If I looked Pre- up, you know, ear listeners in the dictionary, probably see a picture of those. It's pretty pretty average, yeah. pretty bang Little average. head flesh flaps, yep. Yeah. So pretty ordinary sized. I actually need to squeeze my bloody earlobes <sighs> in to the cups <laughs> because otherwise I just awkwardly sit out of the cups and it's not comfortable and it's quite hot. <laughs> Um, they're not very Does it say breathable. that in the instructions? Start by <laughs> feeding the flesh flaps into the ear cups. <laughs> got to, oh. I got to fold the fuckers in, uh, and then yeah, I got to micro adjust it every every few minutes, like every five to ten minutes. I got to make micro adjustments because the ski band is too limited in its movement here. So it feels a bit of a downgrade, honestly. It, it doesn't feel like the successor that the Arctis deserved. Uh, it's lightweight, you know, it's good value for money. If you get the Arctis one, save 60 bucks. I feel like the market's getting a bit too competitive now to really stick with the brand. So a bit disappointed. Um, we'll, we'll see uh, what, what Steel Series comes out with next to rectify these issues because they it, it won't just be me. So that's that's my thoughts on the Arctis Nova 3. Cool, cool. Uh, preview. That's I can't talk. Review will be on the website uh, soon. All right, biggest game this week. Uh, both James and Ash, you have played Sonic Frontiers. Uh, James for press start. Ash for well played. Ash, take it away. Sonic Frontiers for fears. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, did you remember when I had all those articles on the well played website that just said, "Wow, Sonic Frontiers looks like hot garbage." Yeah, like I just I think the exact headline I had was like it doesn't interest me in the slightest. Um it actually it ended I got sold on it when they started showing some actual gameplay that I guess wasn't an IGN presenter just sort of tooling around and not doing much. Bottom line is it's a lot of fun. Like it's a it's a fine return to Sonic form. It's uh it's flawed, but the Sonic series is always flawed in some way, but it's nice to play a Sonic game where the flaws aren't like People speed bagging your ball bag, that kind of thing. Like, you know, you're swearing every two seconds and just you're trying to enjoy it, but like you just keep finding pubes in in your lasagna, you know? I could sit down and. Do I know? Well, I mean, just it's, it, I live in Launceston. Things happen down here, man. But, um. Kitchen is long... very low. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, I'm a long suffering Sonic fan. Wherever you're eating from. <laughs> Support your local, mate. It's, it's local food, local pubes, all right? I'm a long-suffering Sonic the Hedgehog fan. I have Sonic the Hedgehog slippers sitting there from uh, Peter Alexander, so they're not cheap. I have a $700 Sonic statue sitting over there. I have a classic Sonic statue over there. And it's hard. It's real tough. It's only getting good now that we have, like, good movies out. So you can people can go, you know, oh, you like Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, I love his movies. You're like, hey, yeah, the movies. Yeah. But- <laughs> Get around the Sonic. Yeah, yes, it's like, yeah, oh, Jim Carrey's great. The single tear rolls down my eye, you know. <laughs> but the, the bottom line is, this is one of the most ambitious Sonic the Hedgehog games I've ever played. And it feels good to see them trying things, maybe not nailing all of them, but the things they're trying are so sincere and interesting for a change. 
there's a long recurring joke when it comes to Sonic games that people sort of go, Sonic team just sit in a big room and they throw darts at a board and it's like Sonic and the hoop, thoop, bowl of ice cream. And then they have to save the hoop, thoop, animal. It's a wombat, uh, Willy Wombat and hoop, thoop, he's lost his pants. And then it's like, that's how Sonic and the Freeze friends save Willy Wombat's mechanical trousers. And that's how you get things like Sonic and the Black Knight, Sonic and the Secret Rings, Sonic the Werehog from Unleashed. And it it just felt so disingenuous. It felt like we were just getting stuff that was being churned out just to try and keep Sonic relevant. And it always came from Sonic Team, which was just... It reached a point where it was like, can someone else have a go? And then Mania happened, and Sonic was still fun. And now Sonic Frontiers has come out, and it just feels like there's been a collective pulling out of thumbs from bums... Mm. And they've created something really unique and interesting. And I keep saying the word sincere because it feels like it wasn't dartboards and darts. It was, well, how about we try something? How about we get someone who actually knows Sonic to write the story? And they brought in Ian Flynn. How about we look at what's appealing to gamers at the moment and try and do a spin on it? And a lot of people will pull the whole it's pseudo open world because it's like Breath of the Wild. But at the same time, it just plays this sort of very safe, generic open world that anything could be like Breath of the Wild if you're going to compare the two here. It's open. It's not open world. It's open zone. That's why they said that. But what they've done is they've created a fun pseudo-sandbox experience where you get to be Sonic. And I like that. I liked it a lot. And the funny thing is, is the fact that my review goes live James' review goes live as well. We check it, and you know what? We're pretty much on the money. Everyone's saying the same kind of thing. Flawed, but fun. Which is a fun time for most people. I mean, you gave it a 7.5. You gave it slightly more than I did, James, so it makes me feel like Mm. a bad Sonic fan at this point, because (laughs) clearly I didn't love it as much as you did. I wouldn't even consider myself a Sonic fan. Um, More of an appreciator from a distance. Um, And (laughs) so I came into this with very little uh, context. Hawaii. A safe distance where there's no yeah. pubes in your lasagna. Hawaii? I love yeah. something we talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my favorite game series, Sonic. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, yeah, you're right. I did. I quite liked this thing, warts and all, I guess. Um, you know, you and I said to each other, um, I think it was like this morning, but the, the idea that like the majority of critical pieces about this thing seem to recognize that sincerity that you're talking about and that like this team has taken a big swing here even if like i think on its surface i understand why people are kind of a bit like eh, about it because the the at a glance version of sonic frontiers is just oh, like boy. oh they put him in a breath of the wild open world uh. um and it's not entirely unfair there is a lot of stuff in this game that feels one-to-one with breath of the wild in oh, a way that mate. i found when you solve uh, you know, a puzzle and the little piano thing plays, little, I was like, come on. Yeah, and the little oh, Ko- Koroks, Coco things that you find yeah. out in the world. It's, yeah, it's it's a bit much. <laughs> um, I mean, there's even a point where I think you find like heart and defense upgrades and then you can trade between the two of them at a certain other vendor. It's like, okay, yep. we've done this before, right? Um, but despite all of that, the game is just fun it's just a fun little kind of like romp through um uh, a strange open open zone collection of open zones a very interesting somber story that ends in such a way that i was kind of gobsmacked it's surprisingly somber and there's a lot of interesting character beats that just Mm. that's 
I suspected as I was playing, and I'm like, this this is being written by someone who knows Sonic because this character's talking about stuff that usually just gets forgotten from game mm. to game. Like you're so used to like every Sonic game feels like it exists in a complete vacuum. Um, it's like some Simpsons episodes, you know. We've never been to space before, <laughs> except for the time we've been to space. And I think I wrote in my review, I said, it isn't Shakespeare, but hearing Tails remark that maybe being second fiddle, the permanent second fiddle to Sonic might mean that he's never going to grow as an individual. Mm. And I was like, ooh, I mean, that's <laughs> surprisingly true. Yeah. it's a, it, And you're right. It's a surprisingly somber story that you don't really expect to happen. Don't get me wrong. It's still Sonic, so there's still some good fun bits. And it probably has my favorite Sonic-related joke I've ever heard, which is when the antagonist, getting frustrated that Sonic won't stop trying, confronts him and says, damn it. What is your goal here? And he's like, oh, well, sometimes it's a spinning sign. Uh, sometimes it's a giant ring. It depends. <laughs> and it's like... It's so it's dumb. It's so, <laughs> such a specific game-related doofy joke. that I, I had to pause. I was like, I can't believe they went there, but they did. <laughs> so much like you said, it's a game that you sort of take it warts and all. And mm. I think the other thing I said in my closing statement in the review, which I did give it a 7 out of 10, I just said... The difference between this game and a lot of other Sonic games is that the amount of patience it asks of you is not insurmountable for a change. There are other mm -hmm. Sonic games that I can only describe as I have suffered through them. I have had to gulp down mouthfuls of pube-laden lasagna to get to the end of it. But this one, it was a tickle here and there, but I could get past it. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought up in your review because um, I, I had some frustrations with the fixed camera um, elements oh. at times. Um, the, the real, it's, it's the real boss of the game. Truly, it's such an approachable experience outside of those moments as well, which makes them stand out as an even harsher contrast. Because like this thing wants you to play it to have a good time and to look mm. cool while you're doing it. it, it it's it's a very inviting experience. And then occasionally, for five minutes at a time, it will just be like, "No, you're a piece of shit because you can't get this jump right. <laughs> what are you doing?" And it's so strange because it it just it jars you. It takes you completely out of the moment. Um, but. Then you get straight back into like the just the cool vibes of the open yeah. open zone. The, the needle just screeches from fun to frustrating, yeah. and you're and like yeah. you're there and you're red in the face. I I played the majority of the game with my daughter, and she thought it was the coolest thing she'd ever seen because Sonic's is basically a superhero in this game. Mm -hmm. Move fast, yeah. do crazy things. Oh, he's an anime flying hero, all over like, the joint. Yeah, yeah, it's anime. He's like, it's funny that he's come full circle and he's gone. He's now he is Goku. Yeah. But um, there was a couple of moments where I was like trying to chase specific objectives and I was just like, go see what mummy's doing, sweetie. Daddy has to drop some F-bombs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't handle this. There was a part where like the, the fixed camera, obviously, from, from my review, I explained, there's some things in the game where you just, they have to take player control away when it comes to the camera. Things like epic uh, camera angles when you're doing certain tricks and stuff. Like you might be grinding a rail. It's cool to have a camera that sees you go flying up the thing, but... Every now and then, the fixed camera would work in such a way that it's like it's trying to guide you on a jump that you need to make. And basically, it might, for example, change the game to basically a 2D plane. And okay, that's fair enough. It makes sense. But the execution where the fixed camera will come without warning, it'll be very jarring. And effectively, it'll just take the camera from you. It will not move into that position. It'll just snap there. So you might be soaring through the air. Let's say you're heading towards that area that you think you need to land on. You might be moving sort of southeasterly just to get really granular. And then the camera just completely chunks to the other side of where you're heading. 
the way that you're holding your stick means that you've mm-hmm. now lost all the momentum from where you were going. The game wanted you to let go of the stick and just let the game's momentum carry you there. But because the camera has kicked in in a fraction of a second, you have actually fucked yourself. Yeah. It's completely disorientating. Yeah. Gross. And you just go, well, I'll do that again, but this time I'll take my hand off the stick. And that's the thing. The thing I said Mm. in in my review, it is a cardinal sin of game design where you need to play around bad developer decisions. It is not outsmarting a problem. It is undumbing it. You don't mm. feel accomplished. You haven't overcome something. You've just avoided. It's like you don't feel good because you managed to step around dog shit. <laughs> you shouldn't have the dog shit. Shouldn't be there. It should have been picked up by someone. Yeah, but yeah, undumbing a problem, which I did not enjoy. But solid seven out of ten. I've, a lot of people who've asked me about it, I've said, "Hey, it's cheapest at JB, uh, JB Hi-Fi. Go pick it up." Because I reckon if you have even an interest in Sonic that is fleeting, much like our blue friend. We'll have fun. And you will get several hours of gameplay out of it. A very hefty amount yeah. of game. In the Can game. I ask, how long did it take you to finish this thing? <laughs> 16 hours and 28 minutes. Okay, fair. I, I think I was just about 20 by the time I yeah. was done. And and like to be fair, those first two islands, I wasn't rushing through. Um, I just kind of yeah. like took my time, took in the, took in the whole vibes. Um, but I also failed a lot, a lot. So <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm not great at uh, this kind of... It, it, the camera problems combined with my skill level <clears throat> meant for a, a very frustrating experience sometimes. But yeah. despite all of that, that I like it as much as I do, I think is a testament to its its quality. I think I think my iron stomach has uh, processed enough cubes that I was ready to deal with the the warts of the game. So mm. <laughs> I got through it a bit quicker. But the the probably the biggest thing I could say is that I have returned to the game after having completed it, mm. and I've started just exploring and doing stuff I missed, which I think is a pretty good pretty good thing to do to a game after you review it. The desire to play more. Agreed. Nice. Well, you can check out uh, Ash's review on uh, Well Played and James's review on Press Start. Uh, quick review shout-outs will go with uh, the only one this week is Mark, who actually reviewed uh, the Resident Evil Village Shadows of Rose DLC, which we did, we did talk about last Ooh. week. Uh, he says that Rose is a fascinating character that deserves her own full-blown sequel, but for now, Shadows of Rose is a worthwhile adventure for those looking for a little more than an already uh, looking for more from an already brilliant Resident Evil tale. Um, yeah. Uh, has anybody else managed to play this? I'm going to assume no. Cool. Didn't think so. All right, let's go to... I'm actually going to play it over Christmas, I reckon. Christmas break, I've got a couple of things set aside, and that's one of them. Okay. It's not bad. I think I think Mark's pretty much on the money with a, a seven. Uh, all right, headlines this week. Now, I've absolutely murdered this um, doco, so let me just try and um, figure out what's going on. All right, so... There's going to be a Gears of War film and a Gears of War uh, adult. Everything is fucking Resident Evil. What the hell? How? I can't open anything. <laughs> in, in defense, the document, document is fighting us. <laughs> yeah, okay. it is. Every single, every single link I clicked on was just wanting to open up the Resident <laughs> Evil Village fucking 
it's still doing it. I'm like, oh, I might quickly check out the Gears of War news. You know what I'm going to do? I'm yeah. going to get a well-play.com.au and I'm going to click on the news manually. That's what you should do. Excellent. Anyway, there so we go. Netflix has announced a Gears of War film and, and, and an adult film series. Uh, Netflix has partnered with developer The Coalition to create a Gears of War film and adult animated series. A tweet from Netflix uh, revealed that the streaming juggernaut is partnering partnering with Gears of War developer to adapt the beloved video game series into a film and an animated series that will launch on Netflix. I uh, didn't really give any other information. Um, cool. Is anyone here a big Gears of War fan? Kieran Stockton I've is. finished them all. Um, yeah. But in saying that, I didn't really enjoy any of them except three was occasionally entertaining. Like I just mm. kind of forced myself through them. So, yeah, I I actually have a physical set of cog tags that you could buy. Me and two very close mates were big gearheads. I think just it was a highlight of the Xbox 360 era. The bottom line is Gears of War was released 16 years ago and I think the film would have been at its most relevant 15.5 years ago. Yeah, it's it's a series that kind of its core loop feels hell dated now. Like it's done nothing new or interesting. Like it kind of did in five with its open world traversal, but yeah, they, that stuff. was tacky. That was yeah, so but tacky. I mean, like the, the core concept of Gears of War being sort of like meatheads with chainsaw bayonets, fifteen years ago would have gone fucking bonkers in a cin- in a cinema. Who plays um the big dog? What for the actual film when it's coming out? Mm. Marcus Phoenix, played by John Travolta. I don't hate it. <laughs> Have you seen him recently? I think it would work. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he's doing all those like lowbrow director VHS action films. Yeah, you can, you can get around perfect it. would be perfect. I remember Dave Batista was gunning for it yeah. for ages. Like he was even pitching it. And I'm, you know, I'd be down yeah. with that. I think he could pull it off. I mean, he's it would work for the body type. They they should have given like instead of Netflix, they should have given it to like WWE creatives, like film and <laughs> television departments, and then just gone stupid. Just have Stone Cold Steve Austin as bed wearing a wig or something. You know, it would have worked. I don't right. know. I, I, at this point, like you mentioned earlier, Nathan, that uh, Netflix has sort of had a couple of just surprise bangers recently, especially with animated stuff. So, mm. I mean, could surprise. Yeah. Just like the Resident Evil series, isn't that right, uh, James? <laughs> they should have animated it, eh? Loved it. <laughs> um, all right, other headlines. Fucking February, man! It is absolutely packed to the rafters. Atomic Heart is releasing on February twenty-one. Uh, Focus Home and Mundfish announced that that this Mundfish. earlier. No, last week. Yeah, like yeah. last week, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Someone's got to just be like. I wonder if it will, was it this year where games started moving out of February because it was too stacked? It was a yeah, month. Yeah, it was. They would like delay. I don't recall. It right. felt like February was still chonked, mate. It was still packed, but there was just um, a couple of stragglers that took off into like March. Uh, did anyone watch the trailer for this? Because there was also a video that went up on IGN that was a boss fight. I've stopped watching the Atomic Heart trailers because I've seen enough of them that I'm starting to feel that the ones I'll watch now are just going to give away like really big, cool things that I probably would rather see mm-hmm. in the game. Because it's <laughs> bonkers game. It's almost kind of like they anticipated that because this trailer is like a sizzle reel that's in like four times speed fast forward. Mm. Really? Okay. Yeah, like it doesn't want you to 
focus on any particular thing, but rather the vibe of the chaos. Um, so there's very okay. few moments in this trailer that actually play at a normal speed that you can take in. It's just, we're going to pack as much chaos into a little sizzle reel as we can. And I thought it was quite satisfying to do okay. so. I was like, this game looks bombastic. That's Whoa. what I want. You've sold me. I'll watch it. Uh, speaking of, this is probably the, I guess, the biggest news um, of the past week, <clears throat> but also in February, PlayStation VR 2 is going to launch um, on February 22, mm. so a day after uh, Atomic Heart. Uh, it's going to be priced at $879.95 Australian. That is a so, hefty boy. I should sell one of my Sonic statues and buy one. So that is more than the PS5, and this Correct. needs a PS5 to play. So that is mm. a... It's a big investment, isn't it? That's a big investment. Um, yeah. But anyway, so there was, a, there was a ton of news that came out. Uh, 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 this was covered by Mark on, on the website. Yeah, so was a, there was a big uh, info dump on the PS blog. But basically, um, new controls, which will cost, I think, like is it 80 bucks or something like that? 80 bucks. For a, a new controller, there's going to be a bundle, which is going to be $9.59.95, uh, which will include a copy of Horizon Call of the Mountain. Uh, they announced like 11 new titles. Uh, so you got a new a new Dark Pictures games um, and some other stuff there. Other titles include Pistol Whip, After the Fall, uh, and some other stuff there. So who... Who here had the, the VR one? Did yeah, everyone have, did. Ha, have it at some point? No, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did, yeah. It got shit all use because it just wasn't very good quality. Because I also had an Oculus at the same time and being able to see the difference in real time made it all the more nauseating. Mm. It was like playing with 480p video yeah. and then going yeah. to proper high def. Like that was what the difference felt like. Mm. Yeah, I didn't... Yeah, I did a, one or two reviews. I think I smashed one game and then I didn't mind, like, Robinson, The Journey. Um, anyway, mm. but, yeah, then I ended up s selling it, like, right before they all kind of, yeah. Um, Market collapsed on them, yeah. But who, <laughs> it, was a com it was more comfortable to use than the Oculus, I thought. Like, mm. It was a comfortable little headset unit. Just, yeah, I don't think it's for me, though. I think... After owning it, like I was like, cool, yeah, like I've got to get one, but I don't think VR is my thing. I also didn't like PlayStation's support of it. Like I played all the main titles that they touted for and was pretty underwhelmed across the board. Like even Resident Evil was good, but the graphical downgrade made it look like you were playing a PS2 game on it. Mm. Like it, it took the immersion out of it, just how bad it looked, even though it played fine. I didn't mind Did you the, play the um, FromSoft one? Darren Shay. I think Josh Ricks. I like loaded it up and I was like, yeah. <clears throat> gotcha. It was the only reason I ever wanted a PSVR. Um, and I thought if PSVR 2 was backwards compatible, then maybe eventually I would check it out. But it not being backwards compatible is like, well, fuck, man. What's the point? Yeah. Mm. The. Was it the little teaser for RE7 that they did on VR? That was kind of cool. Was that the one where you chained you the, in the chair, I think, or something? 
Yeah, that sounds right. That's pretty cool. But yeah, anyone got any interest in VR2? Not at that Maybe price. if I win the lotto, mm, if I have like yeah. $900 lying around, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with all this money? <laughs> if it had uh, PC compatibility, I think that could be interesting. Like obviously mm. you wouldn't get access to like the, the the mainstream VR stuff on PC, but like homebrew and mm. independent development could be really cool. Um, but if it's just for the PS5 and especially that list of games, no, no thanks. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be in- interesting to see how it sells because... You gotta think that if this one doesn't go wild, they might just—that'll be it. Yeah, maybe like the, if it's gonna lower third parties rate. create stuff for it instead. Mm. Yeah, with a, with a low adoption rate, what developers gonna to want to put Dosh behind it? Yeah, behind developers for it. Kind of like it's a snake hitting its own tail problem with this one. Um, but. Yeah. All right. Uh, other news: Ubisoft has announced that there's more uh, Mario Rabbids. Um, Sparks of Hope DLC coming uh, early 2023. DLC 2 will add a new planet to the game and like people to explore new and unique environments and add new enemies as well. Uh, and DLC 3 is late 2023 and will follow Rabbit Mario, Rabbit Peach and Rayman um, as they explore a new and mysterious place. Uh, the first DLC is the Tower of Doom, and it's coming yet early next year. It's like a full circle moment for Rayman, right? Like, didn't <laughs> the rabbits begin as essentially like add-on content to his yeah. story, and now it's we've looped all the way back around. What? He's finally being brought very... back into his own fold. Because the very yeah. first rabbits game was Rayman Raving Rabbits, where yeah, yeah, he was a side note on it, but it was just kind of a, a collection of like mini Wii Mote waggly mm. mini games hey, that i was incredibly underwhelmed by it because i i had Whoa. expectations that it was going to be an actual game <laughs> mate i had parties that went off with people playing that drum game that was in there Did yeah you not but... see it had black eyed peas in there you could you could play boom boom pow with rabbits was that it was in, in the first one it was in one of them it was fucking stupid there was a few of those games man mm. was it oh, right. i'm looking it up um, now Let's keep pushing through the news because we've uh, we're going pretty late. But the Callisto Protocol uh, has a prequel podcast, which is called Helix Station. It's a six-part prequel uh, that will sorry that is set before the events of the upcoming game, the Callisto Protocol. Um, yeah, you can you can you can check that out. I think it's a weekly drop uh, for each. Um, um, each episode, but it's uh yeah. Seems Is this the natural just... progression of like uh, audio logs in games as we won't get them in the yeah. games anymore. <laughs> we'll get them from Spotify. I'd prefer that. I, th- I don't it see a problem. A little, with it. Like cut before the horse. Like I'm not sure why I would listen to a podcast series about a game world I don't even know yet. Mm. I don't know. If it's done as like a really good sort of uh, introduction mm. to the narrative, I guess you could see it working. <laughs> like. I don't know if I, I like. I might listen. Like I'm interested in Callisto, so I'll, I'll definitely check out the first one. If it doesn't wow me, I'm not sticking around to see if it grows. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing for me. But like, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. I don't hate the idea. And just I know very little about Callisto, so if it can be introduced to me organically via something like this with people in character, then I'm down for it. Well, I think um, Adams listened to the first couple, and he he seems to rate it. So uh, okay, I'll bug him. There you go. Uh, other quick news: Evil West got a. Got, we got our first look at the multiplayer co-op 
in that game. Uh, lead producer Tomasz Gop, he was saying that uh, it is uh, simple and straightforward. So you will both play as main character Jesse. The only the host will uh, carry over progression. Um, the uh, the I mean the main thing is that it'll it'll increase the challenge or the difficulty a little bit and the variety of, of enemies may or at times will um, change up. So oh, okay, but it looks so uh, yeah, it looks it, look, it looks cool. I love that it's simple. I think the exact same thing I said to you, Zach, when we were talking about it is that mm. it, it's very Halo One co-op where it's just fuck it. There's two Master Chiefs. Who cares? Mm. Just chuck another protagonist in there and have fun, which is probably the simplest co-op can be and most effective sometimes yeah they um the guy did say that first and foremost this is a single player game but if you want yeah you can play it with your mate and go around and smash vampires in the face so keep the same uh vampire backwards and forwards between the two of you with the grab move that's it that's (laughs) it um yeah so that's coming november 22 I think the only bit, other bit of news we had this week was... Oh, no. I, w- I wanted to speak very quickly. Did anyone see the game that was announced? I think it was announced th- this week, but or it might have been Gameplay Reveal or whatever. Is it the Blight one? Yeah, Blight Survival. Oh, fucking shut off, Rose, you fuck. Um, <laughs> Every single URL in the document's like, yeah, come check out the review for um, Shadow of Rose. <laughs> did, it, did anyone see this? This, I am checking it out right this now. This game, Blight Survival, this looks really cool. It's like medieval, but like zombies. Yeah, action horror roguelike set in an alternate 14th century. This is the second medieval roguelite I've seen in the last like two or three weeks, which again, it's, it's weird that I've seen two. But um, yeah, four player, pillage and loot spoils and uh, choose between a large selection of weapons that I'm assuming mm. will either cut, bash or chop. Hmm. Yeah, this looks very. It's coming to Steam. It says coming soon, but you know, games always say that, and they don't come for fucking years. Uh, yeah, I thought this game this game looked uh, pretty cool. So keen to check that one out when it comes. It's by um, Hania Hain- Studio. Hania, yeah. Um, who who have done? They're famous for nothing else. Uh, so Blight Survival is a four-player co-op action horror roguelite set in the unforgiving no-man's land between the two desperate states at a ceaseless war. Within, within this purgatory, a new strain of blight has sprung from remains of the dead. Strengthened by the blood that has been spilled, it rapidly spreads, turning man into monster. Um, yeah. There mm. you go. James, what do you reckon? Um, and look, it's beautiful. Um, I roguelikes inherently scam me a little bit just because I hate losing progress. You know, and yeah. it's antithetical to me. But um, no, that looks cool. Uh, and I, I love anything that does something even mildly different with the medieval setting. So, mm. I think when it comes to zombies, it's, it always comes down to how are you killing them, and is it is it different from the usual shoot them in the head? Yeah. So if, if you give me chivalry, but with zombies, cool. I'm down for that. Mm. I would love, um, what was that? Uh, it was like set in medieval times. It was touted as like a realistic RPG. Um, Kingdom Cards. No, yeah, no fantasy elements. Mord Hell, was, wasn't it? No? No. no. It was a while ago, no, to was, be fair. Wasn't it Kingdom Come? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kingdom 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That, but with zombies. <laughs> let's, let's make that game. Sure. Yeah. I want a hyper-realistic zombie medieval fantasy. I was so keen for that game, too. <laughs> 
I want to put it on my backlog list one of these years. I did. I put... it, it was an interesting one. Isn't it free on some platform, mm. like forever? Like I started it. In... it. Mate, I got the fucking like, art book shit from, from Prague, mate. From it Prague? Made its way from Prague to Poland to Australia, mate. It did the rounds. All right. Uh, that's the news this week. Any, let's go off topics and then we'll uh, go home. Well, we're already home, but we'll leave the podcast. Um, uh, off topics, uh, just because James hates dads, I'll I'll quickly chime in with a dad story. I uh, had a couple of toilet stories with my daughter this week. Promise they're not disgusting. But uh, one of them was my daughter decided to kick open the door while I was taking a dump. She kicked open the door and said, Daddy. Switch? No, no, I am famous for that, but not this time. No. She kicked open the door and said, Daddy, why are you doing a poo? And you know what? I, I didn't know how to answer. It took me a second. I just went, ah, when you got to go, you got to go. And she's like, all right, then. Tot it off. A <laughs> uh, little bit later, another day, I, I was walking up my corridor and I heard a voice coming from the toilet. It was my daughter and I could hear her going, yuck, yucky, yuck curious it's coming from the toilet so i turn the corner and my daughter is there completely bare-assed with her head in the toilet looking down in the toilet saying you know yuck yucky but because obviously her head's in the toilet bowl it's more like yuck yucky yuck and so i sort of go lovey what what are you doing and her head pops out of the toilet and she turns around and she goes daddy my poo painted the toilet i was like and are you, are you telling it off <laughs> like She's like, no, it's just yucky. I'm like, okay, fair enough. It was her first. It's her first skid mark, guys. It's obviously a big <laughs> deal. But uh, that's this. This all happened like mere days after talking to another mate of mine who's a dad that we didn't really have any poo stories. And he's just <laughs> like, oh yeah, you're lucky. It's the worst thing about being a parent is poo stories. I'm like, oh fair enough. And then that happened in the space of like seven days. And I was like, oh okay, I see how it what works. It? Dads make plans by not having poo stories, and God laughs. Yeah, basically, I was just like, "Oh, okay, they're coming thick and fast now." Like, um, uh, God, God <laughs> forbid! <laughs> Shit, that, that snuck off on me. Well done. It did. God forbid she see the state of the uh, the average Launceston pub toilet in eighteen years' time. God, <laughs> God forbid. The number of times she's like, "That I need to go to the toilet." I'm like, "Yes, okay, but we're not going to these ones." She's like, "Why?" So I've <laughs> I've, I've had many a drink in Launceston. I've seen what happens to these toilets at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't want you to see what could be in there. Come on. We go into a parenting room. Trying to, trying to explain a Dunny Franger to your daughter. <laughs> uh, actually, my favorite toilet story is, um, I very quick, open the toilet door. It was the toilets next to Princess Square. Open the door. There was a box in there. And I looked down. Personal vibrating massage unit. And this was within spitting distance of the adult shop. So oh, I felt nice. like they, they were they were too embarrassed to say, no, thanks, I'll just wear it home. Went to the nearest public toilet and took care of business, I guess. But left left the left the uh, the package there so that I could see that, you know, it was obviously a good product. Good enough. Leave the package, but not the tool. Again, another reason why I don't take my daughter to public toilets. Not public public toilets, anyway. Mm. Real world advertising. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Come visit Launceston. You'll never know what you'll find. All right. Well, um, fuck. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to top that. So How do you follow that? <laughs> well, I watched Barbarian. Yeah, oh, boy. Did me you like it too. Yeah. We both did. How was it? Yes. No, come did. on. I okay. liked it. A solid yes out of ten. 
ending a little bit fucking dumb, but. <laughs> Look Mate. on Nathan's face. But I liked it. Yeah. It was good. I thought it was a riot. Have you ever seen like the Evil Dead films? Long, long time ago. Yeah. Not for a long Yeah. Time. I felt like this is kind of in the vein of those. Like it's, it's funny, self-aware, and it knows to, it knows what you're expecting at every given turn and knows how to play with it. Uh, a, a vague example that won't spoil is someone's climbing out of a window and you're thinking they're fucked. They're fucked because the camera's spending far too long on someone climbing out of a window. Oh, yes. Are they fucked? Um, I just love how it plays with expectations. Mm. I, I think that was my favourite part of the film because it, it would always set up very clear expectations about what you think is going to happen. A demise. Because there's a few characters here. I'm just giving it, not... I've given it a two-second Google and I'm very interested. I liked and it. Like, like I, I, I did enjoy it, but it, yeah, it wasn't... No, I think I was, maybe I was expecting more. Okay. I think... The thing I like about this is that the film has a title that is just vague enough I could convince a friend of mine who's not big into horror and gore to possibly watch it with me and surprise him. There's also, uh, I don't want to say, because I, I don't even know like what, what, what the blurb says. What is the blurb? Um, it took about that. A woman, a woman goes to stop in a place that already has a person in it and against mm-hmm. her better judgment decides to stay. Right. Realizing okay. that soon discovers there's a lot more to fear than just an unexpected okay. house guest. Oh, and it really plays on that yeah. so good. <laughs> I won't say that, but um, yeah. I can take my headphones off if you don't want to spoil no, something. No, that's fair. Okay. James, did you watch it? No. No, I haven't yet. I mean, it's on my list though, for mm. sure. That was good. Maybe. Was, yeah. Part of the reason why I might have enjoyed this a little bit more, uh, like, I'm assuming, like, you, you didn't watch the trailer or anything going in, did you? Uh, I might yeah, have so seen like little bits of it, but no, no, I, I didn't okay. sit down and actually watch it. No. So I went into this totally blind. Now over the past week or so, I've been binge watching. I don't watch much YouTube, but I've been binge watching uh, the Danny Brown show. It's a uh, like a weekly comedy uh, vidcast featuring famous Chicago rapper Danny Brown. Danny Brown is actually from the the suburb that barbarian is set in so all the week leading up to watching that movie i didn't know that there's that he that that film is set in that suburb it's set in a really rundown part mm. of an outer suburb of chicago what's well, it where in detroit I think. sorry detroit yeah, yeah what yeah. am i talking about chicago yeah, completely uh, different part of the state minnesota say, detroit yeah i'm full of shit so anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a completely abandoned su- outer suburb in Detroit, and Danny Brown has regaled me with um, just loads and loads of stories of all the happenings that would happen in this suburb. You know, um, every, for example, uh, I think he was saying like every Halloween, all the dudes in the str- all the dudes in the neighborhood would find a, just a random house to light on fire, and by the time the fire brigade showed up, because the fire brigade wouldn't show up because it's such an out and out suburb that no one cares about the place would be burnt to the ground. Mm. Like that was just something that happened every single Halloween. So going into this film and actually a lot of the film, it plays on the sociological expectations and narrative and world building around this suburb in Detroit and the disenfranchisement 
of people in this area and then that plays into the horror film so actually when you go in with that context of the area and the disenfranchisement of this particular or just out of detroit in general uh, i felt like that added a really interesting extra layer to it so i, I really enjoyed it like a good horror meal do, um, but yeah it's interesting yeah just just quickly on the detroit thing do you have you you've seen the movie don't breathe Oh, mate, yeah, absolutely. That's, I think also, that, that's also an astounding film that fits very much in the same genre. It's heavily inspired yeah. by Evil Dead, uses a lot of um, it's got, Sam Raimi um, shots. It's got Scary Bloke from Avatar, isn't it? Stephen Lang, the mm-hmm. old bloke? Yes. Yeah, yeah but that's also yeah. uh, set in Detroit. And when that film came out, I was like, what a fucking mm-hmm. bum place this is. I actually, it's only gotten worse, I mate. actually researched it, and it's it's fucked. Like, there's some yeah. areas mm-hmm. of that uh city that are like shit basically they're like yeah scary yeah so Um, i i'll say this much you can understand why you would set a horror film here and why the police wouldn't be in a hurry Mm. to assist people in these kind of shitty and this and the film plays on it so well yeah it's definitely very cool well very cool setting for a film like this Mm. i think um and especially it's made more interesting with a particular scene that shows mm-hmm. maybe the the street in context. It. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but I, I also finished. <laughs> Can't say much, Anya. I also finished. Um, what did I finish? Oh, the Cabinet of Curiosities. Very underwhelming. Very mm. disappointing. Um, yeah. Even the last Feels one was like with, Netflix um, horror, doesn't it? With my mate. Uh, Rick Grimes was um, oh that 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 was one of the worst, nearly. I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. Yeah, and it's about birds as well. About. So there you go. So that's uh, you're primed to love it. Yeah, I know. I think that, I think that that's all I've watched. I think for me. Any, anybody got anything else before we wrap it up? I think I've not had much time for anything i watched 10 minutes of the first episode of the new season of white lotus um i was like okay i remember kind of why i didn't love season one and i I stopped um but that's that's like outside of content and work that's that's kind of it Mm. yeah i'm I'm up to date on that is it because all the characters are like detestable no like i love that shit like you know always sunny in philadelphia (laughs) and stuff like that like i really enjoy that we're um we're kindred in that yes of yeah course. exactly um I just I think the White Lotus is one of those shows that's like it's very proud of its writing um and that's oh, like, if it works for you that's awesome it's just if it doesn't it's, it gets a bit like okay you know oh people are bad capitalism's bad like yeah no I I get it oh it's it's yeah it's peak HBO for sure yeah yeah looks amazing though um and look Aubrey Plaza's in this new season so like I, I'll probably just check it out just for her so mm, she's a stain she's a stain stealer. Speaking of HBO, um, just one thing we didn't talk about last week or even this week, but it is actually confirmed, The Last of Us TV series, HBO show series, January 16 was when it's going to be premiering. So um, That is soon. Yeah. How uh, how keen are people? Do we reckon it's going to reckon it's going to kick uh, goals? Well, we've had this <laughs> chat. We have. It's got to be better than that. Surely it's got to be better than that. Yeah, no, nah, we're, we're not dirty on it like Halo. I mean, I came around on Halo, but we we think it will be perfectly adequate prestige TV. 
that doesn't necessarily justify its existence, I think, was kind of a okay. bit of how mm-hmm. we were feeling. I think it's one of the few properties that just you don't need to change a lot because even the unexplained shit still makes perfect sense. Mm. Yeah, that's the way I feel. Like, they don't need to amend it. It'll just... They'll just. I reckon there's going to be just a bunch of shit that's almost one to one from the games, and then just they'll fill in the rest. Well, the trailer has certainly given that impression. Oh, yeah. and even just like the visual effects we've seen so far, like the practical stuff is just oh, gorgeous. Yeah, like I'm so keen to watch an it. For it. I'm keen to watch it, but I'm not expecting anything amazing. Mm-hmm. My wife's interested in watching it because the only game that she's ever watched me play and not been on her phone the entire time was when I started playing The Last of Us Remastered in front of her because. She just didn't understand that it was a game. She was like, this feels like a movie. And I'm like, because it is. And that's why they make it, baby. That's why they're making it. Yeah. Don't let Adam know that. That's what they could do. Just just release footage from The Last of Us uh, Volume 1, just from the game, straight onto HBO, and then uh, release a game based on that. You know, just leapfrog (laughs) releases of The Last of Us forever. Hmm. All right. Uh, Thank you for watching listening to this week's episode of the Play <laughs> DLC podcast, uh, you can go to www.world-play.com.au, check out all the content. I won't be here the next two weeks, so enjoy the podcast without me. I'll be catching a tan, probably not actually. That milky tassie body of mine um, will remain white. But um, a couple of big... Nah, give ep- me hope, brother. A couple of big eps coming up. Um, got a war spoiler cast soon when you other plebs get around to playing it. <laughs> you got to get me on a podcast to talk about Evil West when I inevitably uh, end up reviewing it, right, Zach? Yeah. Huh. Huh? But, but you, you, you've uh, got uh, you got uh, other things to talk about. I uh, know. I'll but, knock that out <laughs> before the weekend, baby. But you'll be on. Um, yeah. We'll see you then. Bye. Exciting times ahead. Till then. Bye. <laughs> Tazzy's still too hot. <laughs>